website and around the world, hello, I am Brother Carl, Carl Wesley Anderson, and we are going to pray. Yay. We're going to pray. So I'm going to pray for you guys right now. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come before you tonight, and we come before you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are, you are love. <laughs> you are agape love to each one of us that's here and each one of us listening. And so, Lord, I ask you to reach out tonight through your agape love and speak. I ask you, Lord, to illuminate some unique ways in which you speak, in which you are reaching out in your love to connect with us, Lord. I pray that every person here would be well taught tonight, but also inspired to hear you in new ways and to keep asking for your guidance, to keep seeking your guidance and to keep receiving it day after day, week after week for their lives. And I bless each person now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, my goal here is to instruct you on two of the 21 possible ways that God might just be reaching out to you in his love this coming week. And I would encourage you to purchase the book Love Speaks because there are 21 in there and they're all very well taught. But tonight we're going to look at two of them. I'm going to start with one that's fairly common and we're going to move to a second one that is also fairly common but is hardly ever taught anywhere on this planet. But I love it. So you're going to hear it tonight. Then we're going to have some discussion. We're going to have some Q&A, whatever you guys want to shoot me for questions, shoot away. And then uh, in closing, we're going to have an activation a bit later where we're actually going to have two activations, one that you're going to carry out this entire week and one that we're going to do tonight through the Word. Now, looking at uh, on your sheets there, the teaching for the inner voice of the Holy Spirit, this is based in what, what I would call inner guidance or just this is really strong teaching tonight on the inner guidance of the Holy Spirit. And it is so rarely taught in churches. The, the idea that the Holy Spirit in you is actively, actively guiding you. So, uh, uh, you know, this is not a, yeah, this is, this is, your relationship with the Lord should not be on a Sunday only, right? He's speaking to you every day, every day. So what we're going to look at when we look at the inner voice of the Holy Spirit is that he speaks to you out of himself out of inside of you out of the fruit of the spirit so when he speaks to you you're going to sense love you're going to sense joy you're going to sense peace and you're going to know it's him this is very different from listening to a thought in your mind so let me just kind of establish things for you that listening to the inner voice of the holy spirit is opposite of your reason it's not that your reason is not utilized because men reason <laughs> okay but but the holy spirit flows through your reason kind of like a flame underneath a frying pan all right that's kind of how it works so the holy spirit's there he's the fire if i was holding up a frying pan right now would that fire change the actual makeup of the steel in the in the pan would it no it heats it up, and that's, that's our goal tonight in this first session. Heat up your understanding of this awesome Holy Spirit witness. So let's define it first on your sheets there. We'll define the inner voice of the Holy Spirit. Here it is. It's an inaudible voice. It originates in your sanctified human spirit inside of you, your inner spirit. It flows out through your mind simultaneously as a thought or even a flood of thought. 
Here's a note for you. It's usually short, to the point, powerful, and sometimes it comes to you as a question. As a question to you. Think about how many times in Scripture when the Lord was speaking, he would ask a question to somebody. I, I get asked questions all the time by God. I'm sure Nathan. So it's, so it's beautiful. So some scripture, scripture for you from John 10, of course, one of my favorite passages. And we're going to look at this way more in-depthly in a few minutes when I teach a little bit more on the next topic, which is called symbolic speech. But for now, I'll just give you John 10. And very simple, isn't it? When he puts forth all of his own he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Do you know his voice? That's the question, and are you listening? So let me ask this question very simply. I'll give you one more scripture there on your, on your sheet. It's from Acts 8.29. I love this. Very simply, the Spirit, it says in Acts, the Spirit spoke to Philip. Very clear. So it wasn't some booming voice out there, you know? It was more of an inner voice of the Spirit. Now, the enemy also can speak. In fact, let me ask you a question. Who do you think can speak to you? Or what are, maybe we'll put it this way. What are three possible origins of your thoughts? Who can be talking to you? God is obviously what we're talking about. Yep. God, Satan, and yourself. So what we want to learn tonight is how, how well you can learn to tune your spiritual ears to hear God's voice. So what does it sound like? What does God's voice sound like? Let me just ask you the question. What does it sound? What, what, what does God sound like? I love you. I'm So just for the recording, basically the answer was, you're going to hear love. You're going to hear encouragement. Okay, yes. The kindness of the Lord leads to, yes, yes. Okay, somebody else. What does he sound like? What's God sound like? God's word? Okay. They were, they were amazing. Music to my ears. That's a good answer. That's a great answer. Okay, okay. Now we're getting somewhere. We're getting closer here to where I'm going. Okay. Let me put it to you this way, okay? And you can write this down. i got to see if I've got a space for you on the sheet. Do I? Yes, I do. What does it sound like? He sounds like you. How about that? So that's why Nate says it could be hard to distinguish. So, you know, like I like to picture, you know, you know Robert De Niro. You know Robert De Niro. You talking to me. Is he talking to me? You talking to me. You know, can you hear God? God's like, hey, Bobby, Bobby, I'm talking to you. You talking to me? I'm talking to you. For Robert De Niro, he sounds like New York. Or if you're from Ireland, you know, all the Irish, all you have to do to do the Irish accent really is to start pretending like you're singing because your voice goes up and down. Sure it does. And all you have to do is add a sure it does to every phrase. And sure enough, that's the Lord, surely. If you're Irish, he sounds Irish. My favorite one was this pastor's wife. And the, they were praying, this couple, they were living in Texas. They were praying about moving to Florida. And 
So he felt he had a word from God, and uh, he kind of knew what it was. He knew that they were supposed to move, but he didn't want to tell his wife that. He wanted his wife to, to hear that for herself. So he said, honey, I'm going out on the lawnmower, and I'm going to mow for an hour. And when I come in, I expect that you will have heard from God. So she's a southern gal, very proper southern belle. So she goes to praying, and she's doing some house stuff, you know, work around the house and everything. She's praying. And in the middle of her praying, she definitely hears the voice of God, the voice of God. And the Lord says this to her, just like this. Honey, the cloud is moving, and you best be moving with it. That is exactly what God said to her. Honey, the cloud is moving, and you best be moving with it. I love that. He sounds like you. So let me give you a little historical example here. Uh, there was a young man in Wales who was very, very uh, hungry for God. In fact, he was so hungry, he began praying for revival in 1904. Now, 1904 was a very interesting time in the world history because there were prayer groups like this size meeting in various places all around the world. I'm talking from America to Great Britain to Europe to Asia to Australia. There was a hunger for prayer for revival. So I chose this story because of, of course, Brother Paul's heart for revival, and he'll get to hear, I'm sure, get to hear this recording when he's feeling better. But I, I, I want you to know this. So the prayers are starting to be answered because this young man begins to get a hunger for prayer. So he wakes himself up at 3 o'clock in the morning in one spring of 1904, and he begins to cry out to God for revival, and he's praying for revival, and he's, he prays from about 3 in the morning to 6 in the morning that morning for revival, for Wales. He's in Wales. His name is Evan Roberts, and the next morning, the Spirit prompts him to get up at 3. So notice that. The first time, it was him and his desire setting, you know, setting himself, I'm waking up at 3. The next morning, the Holy Spirit prompted him just before 3 a.m., hey, wake up, let's pray. And again, three hours. And in fact, some of those prayer sessions, they say, were so strong that the woman that lived in the flat below his flat bedroom could at times hear the bed shake because the Spirit of God was there and the power of God was on his prayers for revival. That fall, he goes off to his Bible college and he starts to hear this voice in his, inside, the inner voice of the Spirit. And the inner voice is talking to him. He's saying, he's saying, I want you to go back to your home church and speak to a group of young people about uh, how serious they need to become for me. Basically, the Spirit kept prompting him, you have to go back to your hometown, to your home church, and pray and proclaim my word to them. Then as he's praying, he begins to have feelings of peace and joy as he's praying this. And he actually begins to kind of see images once in a while, visions of, of himself in front of people preaching. So that, by the way, is called the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. That's a different subject than the inner voice. And if you want to ask me later the differences, we will look at those. But anyway, he hears this voice. And so he goes to his, the president, the leader of the Bible college, says, you know, this voice is happening inside of me. What do I do? And the leader of the college, who was very, very wise, looked him straight in the eyes and says, Son, the devil never gives orders like that. You can go back and have a week off. So in other words, you know, it must be God. So he goes back home, and I have visited Wales, and I have been to, I've stood right in the chapel, right outside the chapel door of this little chapel where he went in. He <clears throat> asked the pastor if he could preach 
The pastor turned him down. No. Uh, he says, well, well, you know, we have a prayer meeting Monday night. If you want to come and speak to the people, you can do so after the prayer meeting. So he wouldn't even give him any time during the prayer meeting to share. So the pastor gets up at the end of the prayer meeting and says, okay, this young man is here, Evan Roberts. If you'd like to stay behind and hear him, you may. Otherwise, you're free to go. 17 young people stayed behind. He spoke very directly four main points. One of them is, you must obey the Spirit promptly. And from that moment until the history of the world, we know it then as the Welsh Revival, all 17 of those young people gave their hearts to Jesus, recommitted their lives, and then the next night they had to meet again, and they filled the chapel, and they filled the church, and they kept filling it, and the pastor was delighted and said, how about you preach on Sunday and three times next week? And we got, we got space for the following week as well, all five nights. Could keep going. And it resulted in the Welsh Revival. Isn't that cool? It all began with the inner voice of the Holy Spirit. So how do you hear that voice? I've got to follow my notes with you here. Okay. How do you hear it? How do you hear the voice? Well, I like to put it this way. You have to actively listen and be in faith to hear the voice. Everything that we do as Christians when it comes to prayer life and when it comes to hearing God's voice is an active stance, okay? You have to be active. Now, I don't ever want to teach you about the Holy Spirit without just a couple of minutes on the importance of the Word. Now, some of you have read already chapter 1, and you've been stirred by reading that chapter about how important it is to have a foundation of study of the Word of God, and then we flow from that into way number two, which is called the living Word. And I want to illustrate this for you by uh, maybe, if you prompt me, maybe doing a little Braveheart, but we've got a little visual aid for you to explain to you how important the Word of God is. Now, let me just see if I can... Let me just, maybe you give me a hint. Why don't you, why don't you, uh, Here, you, run, you pull it out. Okay. This is really, you spared no expense on the sheets I see tonight. Okay, wow. Wow. Holy cow. For the folks listening at home, I am holding the Braveheart sword. Now, a little, a little fun fact for you from the movie Braveheart, Mel Gibson is actually a very short man. You, you'd never know it from seeing the film, but he's actually, gee, I've got to just set that up very carefully. Set it here while I talk about the sword and the movie Braveheart for a second. Okay. So Mal is a really short guy, so what's really funny is there's no possible way that he could be a Wallace because Wallaces were tall. I mean, look at how massive this thing is. This thing is, weighs like 100 pounds or something. To, to wheel, sorry. <laughs> I just poked him. Sorry, Paul. He's trying to sleep up there. Um, you, you, you would have to be a huge man. They figured that Wallace was probably six feet six and weighed like 300 pounds. And little, little Mel Gibson is in the film. And so what's really funny is this little hidden moment. I'll just give it to you that in the film, as he's approaching um, the, the crowd at Sterling to fight for the first time, uh, one of the guys from the crowd shouts out, can't be William Wallace. You're not tall enough. And, and Braveheart gives him a little look like this off his horse, you know. And there was a hidden joke, because in the crowd were actual descendants of the Wallace clan. From, from 700 years later, and they were extras, and that was one of the extras basically saying, Mel, you're cute, but you're no way you're William Wallace. Okay. Get it? You get it now? So, now, this, is, this, is, this, is, this represents for you the sword of the spirit. This is fantastic, Nate. Can I just take this everywhere I go, just ship it on the plane and everywhere I go? Okay, you'll notice. Yeah, good luck carrying it on. I'm not a terrorist. 
you know, yeah, check luggage. Well, you got one side of it, right? You got one side. It's a two-sided story. So just remember this, that your study and your foundation in the Word of God is so, so vital to all the other ways of hearing. In fact, as we transition to the, to the other subject tonight of symbolic speech, you'll note how important it is to know the Word first so that every other way that you're hearing Him, particularly now the inner voice of the Spirit, is flowing out of a foundation of the Word of God. Learn this Bible. Study your Bible. Get in it. Dig in it. Learn what it meant. And then learn to activate the, the, the scriptures on the page. Let them almost, in a sense, be illuminated and come off the page and let the Holy Spirit, you know, blow through them and minister life to you and for others. Wouldn't that be awesome? Every day? That's what I just wanted to encourage you with. So, where do we set Braveheart here? I'll just put him right across the front row. Here we are. Wow. All right, now. So how do you hear the voice? I gave you that. Expectation, faith. Habakkuk 2.1, I will stand on my guard post. I will station myself on the rampart. And I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply. Isn't that beautiful? Habakkuk. You got to stand. It's a it's a stance, isn't it? So from 1 Kings 19, we had this beautiful beautiful moment with Elisha, the still small voice. Behold, the Lord was passing by, a strong wind, an earthquake, a fire, and then still small voice. You know, uh, most of you were here last week. You know that I've been through a battle with cancer for three years, and. Praise God, I've got great news and a great report. I've come out of that battle, and I'm in full remission tonight. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. So very, very grateful to God to be in full remission. When I was in the battle, I never stopped listening to God. I always kept trying to hear him. And, and many times he'd speak to me, and, and he gave me these writings. So I kept writing different ways that he was speaking to me. And in fact, uh, I just when I had to learn from the Lord what course of treatment he wanted me to take, I had three days where he spoke to me nine different ways of these 21 in the book, if you can imagine that. Three days, he initiated contact with me nine different times from different areas I'm teaching you. While I was trying to figure out the title for the book, I had it, many people... Bouncing off ideas, I had a little focus group and different things, and, but I couldn't really land on a title. And One night this year, early in the spring, I, I took my shot of medicine, and it gave me an immediate fever. And I endured this week after week for two years, a fever every single week for two years. Okay. So my fever was going up to 103, and it was about midnight, just before midnight. I couldn't sleep, so I'm awake heating up with this fever, drinking some water, and the Holy Spirit starts talking to me in his voice in a flood of thoughts. And I realized, I better get up and write some of this down. So I, I did. At midnight, I got up, I went to my study, I got out my laptop, and I started to write down what he was saying. He was giving me possible book titles. So he gave me three and some subtitles and stuff. And the third one, at, at midnight, with me, with a fever of 103, he bypasses all of the suffering we're going through sometimes to speak clearly. And he said, how about love speaks? Oh, that still small voice. How about love speaks? 
And I thought, oh, that sounds kind of good. So I typed it in my laptop, and I hit save. And I went to bed, and I forgot all about this incident. And I, next morning, I woke up. The fever was better. I went back to my laptop. I saw I had written some notes from midnight. And the, the, the title of the book was the third, the third note on my laptop. So that's how the book got titled, Love Speaks. All right, so question for you. How's your prayer life then? How is your prayer life? Is it, is it, is it a, how did I put that around there? Is it a, is it a monologue or a dialogue? So the ingredients for a balanced prayer life, well, that would be one half speaking and one half listening. So I was talking to Paul, Brother Paul tonight. We were praying together upstairs before the meeting. And he says, Carl, I have been having these most amazing few months of talking with the Lord and hearing him. He said, the secret is, I just ask him yes and no questions all the time. I said, well, how's it going? He says, well, I'm not batting 1,000, but I'm batting about 800. I said, that's pretty good. That's a very good average. I said, what are you doing? He says, well, you know, should I go to the grocery store? Yes or no? And I, I get the, you know, no, I don't think that this is the right time or it's not the right thing or whatever. So it's just as simple, simple as that. You know, I dare you tomorrow to in, into dialogue with the Holy Spirit and ask him questions. Yes and no questions. And wait upon him for an answer. In the mundane. Why not? Why not the mundane? So let me just do... A little bit of Shakespeare for you. Would you like to hear just a little bit of Shakespeare? Just a, just a twinge? Okay. Uh, so this is from the famous speech in Henry V where they're facing the, the French forces and there's a walled city there. And you, you all remember the, that phrase, once more to the breach, dear friends. Once more. Then close up these walls with our English dead. In peace. There's nothing so becomes a man as modest stillness and humility. But when the blast of war shines on our ears, stiffen the sinews, summon up the blood, imitate, imitate the action of the tiger, disguise fair nature with hard-favored rage, then lend the eye a terrible aspect. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. That's my Shakespeare for you. I'm here all week. Okay. So, so that is a dialogue. And uh, that's, sorry, that's a monologue. No, that's not a dialogue. That's a monologue. And I just want to challenge you. That is how some of you have learned to pray in the morning. It's more like what I was taught. You know, you get up in the morning and you pray a monologue. So it's more like, you know, oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth and, and all the trees and the birds and the beasts and Oh, Father, and you made the sun and the moon, and you're almighty. First, in your monologue, you tell him who he is, as if he's a little bit wondering who he is this morning. You remind him of who he is. And you're almighty, and oh, Father, I'm but a worm and no man, and oh, I just ask you to bless my day. In Jesus' name, amen. And off you go. And you're gone. And the Father's in heaven, and he's looking at him, and he's like, would you just stop talking? I'd like to answer you now. So the inner voice of the Holy Spirit is your answer. All right, so keep looking there. We got the inner voice brings two things, trust and assurance. We already know the answers to this, 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 this distinguishing between the three possible voices in your head. They could be you, the enemy, or God. And uh, I just want to remind you again of John 10. Remember that Satan's voice? 
How do you know it's him? He'll speak to you words of doubt, like he did with Jesus. He'll ask you those questions like, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're concerned about provision, he'll ask you, do you, really, do you really think God can supply for you this week? And you'll have this thought in your mind, and you have to rebuke it. You have to learn to recognize, when is the enemy sowing a seed of doubt in your mind, and when is God trying to speak? So the enemy brings fear. He brings hesitation to you. He brings questions. He's questioning you about your relationship with God all the time. Of course, sometimes it's just you thinking thoughts, but often, if you listen, it's the inner voice because God always brings peace and joy. So I dare you this week to listen for a thought or a spontaneous number of thoughts. Remember again that this is related to the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, and both of these topics are related to learning the, the guidance, the step-by-step, moment-by-moment, we'll call it this, obedience. Can we dare use that word? Obedience to the Holy Spirit. He is called the Holy Spirit for a reason, because he's holy. He's holy God. So he is always conforming you to the image of Christ, isn't he? He's always sanctifying you. He's always challenging you to change and become more Christ-like. And so that is the inner voice of the Spirit. Does anybody have any questions before we move on? Questions? What was the medicine I took that gave me a fever? Okay, so the first year I took this horribly strong thing called interferon. Has anybody ever heard of interferon? It's a major drug, right? It's like I had to inject myself in the stomach. And by the way, I hate needles. I run from needles. The second year, I was on a study in this amazing new drug, and uh, it basically trained my immune system to recognize where the melanoma cancer was and to fight it and kill it. So that's why I got the fever. So the fever was actually a good thing, but uh, it was tough. Can you get some of that? I can hook you up, brother. Just talk to me after. We'll get, not get this on the recording. <laughs> Actually, there's no high like the most high. So I'll hook you up with the most high. He's much better. Okay, questions? Any dialogue with, for me with the inner voice of the spirit? Yes. You talked about how the devil speaks very differently. Like, how about, how do you distinguish, is that my, did I decide that for all? Okay. So the question is, how do we distinguish maybe the thoughts of God versus the thoughts of us? That's an excellent question. First of all, live your life like this sword. Live your life, lifestyle of meditation in the word. That's what I would say first. Because all of the guidance from the Holy Spirit flows out of the word, and it is, it is, these things that we're talking about tonight are fresh guidance for you, aren't they? It's fresh, it's the word of God. It's, Jesus is alive, so it's his living word coming to you out of your human spirit by the Holy Spirit. But be meditating on this word, first of all, because that's a good place to be, isn't it? And I know you're busy, some of you are still in school, and you're working, you've got families, whatever you're doing, but, met, but carve out a lifestyle, really, of daily meditation on the word, because that'll help. 
Out of that then will flow the voice. How do you distinguish him? Well, that's why I said that his voice could either be a thought or a flood of thought. So this is a very easy way to recognize when it's really God. When you're, all of a sudden, a thought comes to you of something that is, that is in line with your heart and sounds like it could be something special, so it's not fear or doubt, it's, it's in line with it, you, 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 you have a sense of, of joy or peace about it, uh, but you weren't, you weren't actually thinking about that at the time. Maybe you're kind of in prayer, but it, it's, it's like, almost like a flash thought. That's when you usually can tell this is God. Also, sometimes it's a flood of thoughts, like it's a whole number of them. So, and this happens to me at, at bedtime a lot, or when I'm laying on my bed, or am I, if I'm w- woken up in the middle of the night, I'll start praying. I'll pray in tongues for a while. I'll pray in the Spirit. And all of a sudden, I'll start having these thoughts that I wasn't thinking before that moment, and then I have to quickly write them down. So, excellent question. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Yes. And that and that's a great answer right there. Yeah, sure. So if you're listening. Yes, and if you're listening to this recording, what he just said was so good. He just said, look, it's like, I'll, it's a flash, and, I'll, and he said, I know that I know. That's an awesome phrase. Remember that one. You just know. Now, can you describe this to a, non, a, a non-Christian very well? No. But, uh, but it's truth. It's truth. It's, it's, it's tough to tell people, you know, how you're hearing, but... Uh, but you know that you know that you know that it's God. And when it's God, it will, first of all, always line up with the word. It'll always line up with the word because this is his revealed will right here. And you will have a sense of the witness of, of, of things like peace and of joy because it's flowing out of him, his fruit in you. Excellent. Okay, if there's no more question, we'll move on to our second one. This is called way number 12, symbolic speech. Symbolic speech. Now, when is the last time anybody in this room ever heard a teaching on the theme of symbolic speech? Raise your hands. We have one. We have, yeah, in seminary. Seminary doesn't count. Okay. So, let me define this. Hmm. Oh yes, that's 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 hearing the word. Yeah, that's 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 one of my ways in the book. That's one of the ways. It's actually hearing the Lord through the preached word, the proclaimed word from a fivefold guest like your dad. You know, you you you, you, you got to prepare yourself for that. You got to you got you got to be in prayer before. I hope all of you prayed prayed on your way here tonight. You know, pray for me. Pray for the speaker. Pray for Paul next week. You have, pray for understanding and. New light on the word and new, and new understandings. Every time I hear a message, I pray first or I pray during. 
So let me, let me kind of describe this for you. First of all, let me just say to you what, what this is. So I'll give you the definition then. This is the Holy Spirit originating an object lesson or a metaphor to teach you deeper spiritual realities that are not easily grasped by words alone. That's what symbolic speech is, all right? So I've got a definition of a metaphor on there for you. It's a figure of speech. This is the definition for it. Okay, a figure of speech in which a word or phrase is applied to an object or action to which it is not literally applicable. So they are a creative extension of his word coming to you. So what is symbolic speech? It's a creative extension of his word coming to you through symbols, something outward, symbols that need interpretation and point to spiritual truth or spiritual realities. And these are common in Scripture, and they're common in everyday life. And I'll, I'll give you one of them we just had was this beautiful sword. Paul, Paul writes about the sword. It wasn't quite the Braveheart sword in Ephesians 6. It was a lot smaller than this one. But he, doesn't he? He, just, he teaches about spiritual warfare and the armor. By, by, he's probably in, his, probably in his jail cell, looking outside the jail cell and seeing this Roman soldier. And the Holy Spirit starts talking to him in symbolic speech. Check out that soldier. Look at his armor. Please relate that visually to your audience. So then he teaches us about the armor of God. That's symbolic speech, okay? I had a very difficult day a couple years ago. And I was praying about whether I should go through the first of, of several major operations to have uh, some lymph nodes permanently removed. And I didn't really know what to do. So I went off to the woods to pray and seek the Lord. And in the midst of it, he told me, the inner voice said, yes, go through with it. Then he said, pick up that rock by your foot. So I leaned down, and I, I picked up this rock. Now, when I hold up this rock to you, tell me what, what kind of words describe this rock. Solid. Solid. Good one. Okay, well, that's the color. Okay. But the rock itself, okay, solid. Durable, strong, constant. Okay, well, let's, we'll go with those. These are words that also can describe your relationship with Jesus. So the Lord said, pick up that rock, hold on to it. Remember that I am your rock. When times get tough, you pick up that rock and you hold it and remember, I am your rock. Psalm 18. Lord, the Lord, Jesus Christ, is our rock and our stronghold in time of trouble. So this is symbolic speech spoken to me through nature. And I'll tell you what, through years of prayer, two years of prayer, when it was tough for me, I would pick up this rock and I would just gra grasp it and hold it tight. And the Lord would, would remind me, I'm strong for you. I'm durable. I'm stable. I'm long-lasting. This will be around a lot longer than I will or you will. It's going to keep going until Jesus returns like this. So that is symbolic speech. Now, um, I got to give you this. Okay, what I want to say to you here very simply is that God uses symbolic speech, and you have to be attuned in your spirit. You have to be in prayer to notice that it's happening to you. 
But why? Because it's universal. This is what, what I would call one of God's or one of the Holy Spirit's love languages. Symbolic speech is a love language for you. Any of you married? Let me see the married, married hands. One, two, okay, two, two, going once, going twice, two. Okay, two of you are married. Uh, and you've learned the love language of your spouse, right? Somewhat. Is it, is it the same as yours or is it different? Different. Same with me. Why is that? Man, God puts you with people that are opposite of you, you know? But when I hold up this picture, I want you just to tell me how you feel when I hold up this picture. Come on. Let me have a little. I'm working it. I'm working it. All right. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're sitting there and if you're from Russia and all you know is Russian, or if you're from China and all you know, where are you originally from? He's going to be like, He's going to be like Detroit. And I'm going to be like, crap, that was not the best. No, where, where's your family like hundreds of years ago? Half Korean, half Swedish. Okay, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're in Korea and all you speak is Korean or if you're in Swedish and all you speak is Swedish. I'm also half Swedish. It's a good, it's a good thing. Yeah, all right, all the Swedes. Uh, woo! Okay, we all feel the same. It's universal. So God uses pictures. What, what he does with symbolic speech is he paints you a painting. He gives you a picture. And he speaks to you about a deeper spiritual reality through that picture. So let me show you this in Scripture, because everything I'm teaching you tonight is rooted and grounded in the Word of God. So if, it, 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 what did I, let me just look on my notes for you if I quoted this for you or if I just said turn there. All right, let's turn there if you have your Bibles to Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. And let me read to you this, this portion of Numbers 6 through 8, yes. So God's speaking here to Moses. He said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. With him I shall speak mouth to mouth, or the literal there is face to face, even openly, and not in dark sayings. Okay, in the original Hebrew, the word there is riddles. So this could be called riddles. This could be called dark sayings or dark speech. I've heard it referred to as that. But it's most commonly known to you and I as a metaphor or metaphors or language of pictures. And over in Psalm 78, the Lord says, listen, O my people. I, isn't it great? He keeps telling us to listen to him. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings. So the three ways of communication are basically listed here. Visions, dreams, and metaphors, or symbolic speech. Unless your name is Moses, in which case you get to talk to God face to face. Anybody named Moses here? Going once, going twice? Okay. Then you're off the hook. You get to talk to God in visions, in dreams, and in symbolic speech. And there it was in Psalm 78 as well. So in the New Testament, how did, how did Jesus teach us in these different ways? He taught us in object lessons, and he taught us in what we know as parables, didn't he? So what's an object lesson? Very simply. Remember, he sits down to the water at the well. The water at the well. He's talking to the woman at the well in John 4, and he basically says to her this, He who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up 
into eternal life. So he's trying to use a very simple illustration of water and the well and symbolize it through, through basically symbolic speech to, to point to the deeper reality. He is coming to give you and I life. Eternal, pulsating, a fresh well of life every day that's springing up in us. And then we're going to go back to John 10 for a minute. Think of that, the figure of speech in the parable of the shepherd and the sheep. This is very interesting here. I'm going to just reveal a little something to you here. Okay? In John 10, let me just read to you verses 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. That's good news. He knows your name. He knows your name tonight. He knows what you're going through. He's already been into your tomorrow. So that's why when you pray today, he can give you peace. He can give you direction. He's already been to your tomorrow. Isn't that beautiful? Now, he begins this parable by talking about the thief. So in verse 10, he says, the thief comes only to, we all know it. What does a thief do? Steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you have it abundantly. Yes, beautiful. So who's the thief? That is a good answer. That is one possible answer. Somebody else. Okay. We're getting closer. That's good. The, the, that answer is also correct. I'll, you'll see in a minute. This is, this is good. Anybody else? Things that take you off the way. Because the thief steals people, right? And kills people, destroys people. Well, let me, let, me, let me show you this very simply here in context. Uh, two verses prior to John 10, we have John 9. And the end of John 9 says this. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, we are not blind too, are we? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say, we see, your sin remains. <laughs> so he doesn't pull any punches. So standing, and then he goes on, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, is the thief. So the thief is standing in front of him. It is the religious systems of the day. It is all the, the world systems, the things that choke away the life of God. You could very easily say, yeah, Satan is behind the world religions, and that's also true, so Satan is the thief. But in context, the thief, the object lesson that Jesus wants to paint for us in this metaphor is all other religions of this world, all other ways choke the very life that he came to give. So the question then becomes, why did they not understand some of the parables? Why? Pride, and what did they need to discern them? Okay, and ears to hear. Who gives us ears to hear? The Holy Spirit, okay. So let me give you a, a beautiful illustration for this. This is a, a famous book, The Pilgrim's Progress. This has been in my family for 80 years. This belonged to my grandmother's brother. And it's a very beautiful rendition. It's a very old copy. And inside, there's some beautiful pictures. I'll show you this one here. There's a beautiful color one in the front. There it is. So there's Evangelist pointing 
Christian to the wicket gate. Oh, yonder wicket gate. Beautiful, right? So this is, this is John Bunyan. John Bunyan was a Puritan author. That means he was a man of the word, total man of the word. The Puritan's passionate about the word, but he also understood symbolic speech. So he writes this incredible book, and the whole book is all these stories and symbols and pictures, and in some of it, you know, if you see this, there's little footnotes that he put in the margins to interpret for us what the symbols mean. And at one point, Christian is touring around, and he comes to this giant house. So I put the house on your notes there. That's the house of the interpreter. The house of the interpreter. And he goes in that house. Remember when he sees all these really cool things? The interpreter is the Holy Spirit. Remember, you need the interpreter to interpret symbolic speech. It's vital. It's vital you have the interpreter. So let me ask you this question. That I put this on your notes. Why? Why symbolic speech? Why does the Holy Spirit use this one so often? This is where you guys can answer. What do you think? That's it. Very good. You wrestle with it. Good answer. Yeah. Okay. And it, so I'm just going to, on, on the recording, we have, we had, uh, you have to wrestle with it. You, it forces you to seek, yeah, to seek the Lord. Excellent. Okay. Yep. And, and so I'll venture another answer. Just These are all very correct. I would say that, that, that these, I put down, they have an inherent ability to bypass the heart and mind's natural defense mechanisms. Think about that. So that's why God speaks to you in your dreams so often, because you're asleep. <laughs> so all your defenses aren't up, so he can talk to you. Anybody have any dreams from the Lord this past week? Yes. All right. See, I prayed for that last Thursday night. The Lord, the Lord, for the Lord to give you dreams from the Lord, from him. Yeah, yeah. So here's a few examples for you. A few years ago, I was uh, seeking the Lord for various things. And all of a sudden, people began to give me rocking chairs. It was really, really weird. Like, I got this call this one day, and this pastor friend, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing him this Sunday for, for, for lunch. It's great. Uh, he calls me up, and actually, uh, Scott Kilber. So, so Nate knows my friend. So Scott Kilber, Scott Kilber calls me up. I says, "Hey, Carl, uh, I've been given this this uh, uh, storage locker. It's full of stuff, and the owner of it just said, Scott, you can have whatever you want. You can give this stuff away. You can sell it on eBay. You can throw it. Whatever you want to do, it's all yours. He donates it all to him. So Scott's going through this thing, and he finds this big black." leather rocking chair and it's a really nice one it's got the you plug it in and you can sit there and you can feel the vibrations and the warmth and all that so he says would you like this rocking chair i'm like sure oh first of all i love to rock so this is a no-brainer so i get this beautiful rocking chair and then I, like two weeks later my parents call me up out of nowhere they say we were at this estate sale and we picked up this glider rocker we don't want it do you want this rocker i'm like sure i'll take it and then, and then a, a few few days later, we're at this other sale, and Sarah buys this rocker. She brings it home. It doesn't match anything in the house, but I want it. I'll take it. So it goes in my study. Boom. So 
if you know anything about me, you know, first of all, I love to rock. Even here, I picked the chair that moved, so I was rocking during worship. I just love to be in the moves. Anyway, this is all happening. And you say, what's the significance? Well, I, it's just all these chairs coming to me. Finally, this intercessor woman comes to prayer. She worked for us, and we had a Friday morning prayer session with our little staff that we had back then. And so she's praying, and in the middle of her prayer, the Holy Spirit says, my son, I have, see if I wrote down the phrase, yes. My son, I have been giving you rocking chairs because I want you to know that I am leading you into new seasons of rest. And every time I give you a rocking chair, you are entering a new season of rest. I want you to rest in my love. Symbolic speech, rocking chairs equal rest in his love. Then when I was going through cancer treatment, having a really tough time, I had a dream one night. And in my dream, this is just a, a year and a half ago, <laughs> I, 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 I was in this antique shop, and the owner of the antique shop, the interpreter, you know, the interpreter, he came over to me and he said, I'd like to give you something. Would you like this chair in the middle of our antique shop? And it was this beautiful old, like, 50s rocker, and it was, had a covering on it. It was covered. So I said, sure. So he he says, well, this chair is yours. I'm giving this to you. He said, why don't you sit in it? So I sat down, and it was really soft. It was really restful. And in my dream, I started to rock in it. And then the Holy Spirit says, now I want you to look at the chair covering that you're sitting on. So I looked closer, and it was like zoom. It was like all of a sudden, I zoomed right in, and in big boldness, I could see. And it was, it was cartoons. It was a cartoon chair cover of the Lion King. And so there were little pictures of the lion, the little... Simba and Roar, the big lion, and they're having fun together. And the, the, the lions were all, it was, it was the Lion King. It was Lion King chair covering, cartoon chair covering. And then I woke up. What was the Lord saying to me? In the middle of my battle, he is offering me a new season of rest in his love. And I'm seated on the Lion King, Jesus. Jesus Christ is with me. Symbolic speech. Now, Sean Boltz. Any of you ever heard of Sean Boltz? Got a few, a few arms are up. Okay, so Sean's a prophetic minister. He lives in California. Ma amazing, amazing gift of, of prophecy. And uh, so I was at a meeting that he that he was speaking at, and he actually had a word for me, which I will relate to part of that in a minute. But one of the things he gets for people when he prays for them. Do you ever pray for somebody and ask the Lord for a, a date for them? Because he does, you know? And so he gets anniversary dates. He gets people's anniversaries. He'll be like sitting in a bar, and there'll be a couple. He actually said this, a couple up on the bar stools, and the Holy Spirit gives him a, gives him a date. He walks over and says, sorry, you don't know me, but I just want to let you know I've been praying for you. And gosh, does this date mean something to you? And in, in the middle of this word he was giving me, he stops and he goes, you know, I had written down this date. Um, I thought it was for someone else, but I believe it's for you. Does March 7th mean something to you? Duh, that's my anniversary. Thank you very much. March 7th. So he got my, yes, awesome, my anniversary date. And I, he, he said, why do I get these? He said, because they symbolize God's original plan for marriage as a blessing to experience his love. So every time he gets an anniversary date, it's symbolic speech to symbolize for that person God's perfect 
plan is marriage, and he wants to know how much he loves them and how much he called them to be together. Isn't that cool? Uh, he gets alma maters. He gets names of schools where you went to college. Now, I'm sitting in this room, and he says, you know, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting USC in L.A. I'm getting the school USC in L.A. Does that mean something to you? I said, well, as a matter of fact, that's where I went to film school. <laughs> now, nobody in the world, nobody in that room, nobody but the father knows that I spent an entire summer at USC film school getting trained. But the Lord does. So he, get, he gives me my school where I went to school. And the Lord said to him, whenever I give someone the school, the alma mater, it's to symbolize my original design for what I designed them to do and what was in my heart to train you to become. I love that. This one woman, he goes, he goes um, your last name, it's a kind of alcohol. And she starts laughing. And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. My last name is like Botero. Botero. It's some Italian name. It, 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 it's a fine wine. Okay? So he's seeing a bottle of alcohol, which symbolizes her last name, and her last name is the name of a famous bottle of wine. So then he gives her this word, and he says, now you're, he's, uncor he's uncorking the, the wine for you this year, and he's making you a blessing for the body of Christ. You're going to spread joy like alcohol to the body of Christ. Pretty cool. Then he's praying for this woman, and he says, I see a picture for you. I see 1,400 monks surrounding you. Now, why didn't he see 1,398 monks why didn't he see 1,206 monks? I don't know. He saw 1,400 monks surrounding her. So he's like, does that mean something to you? And she's like, mm, gosh, you know, I, I don't know. It probably does, but, but I don't know. So Sean's just waiting. He says, well, I still see it, so it, it, it's, very, it's very important to you, but maybe it'll come to you later. So he let, just lets it go. He's just a man of God. He just lets it go. You know, did I miss it? Did I not? I don't know, but we'll let it go. It goes on. And then later on Facebook, I happen to log on at just the right moment, and she found him on Facebook and commented, 1,400 monks was the name of the street that I lived on in St. Paul when I was going to school. 1,400 Monks Avenue is where she lived. Come on, somebody. And this story is in my book. It's kind of fun. It's in there. So this is, this is symbolic speech. This is symbolic speech. And I want to kind of draw this to a close tonight because I want to get to some prayer time and also some Q&A. I'm not sure how we're doing for time, but are we okay? Good. Yeah, soon. So we're at, we're at the five, five, five mark? All right. So, um, so I, was, I was preaching at uh, Teen Challenge, Teen Challenge, uh, to their Bible school. And I really want to thank you in advance. We're going to be taking up an offering for Born to Blaze for our ministry sometime this evening, and when you've given that offering, you're enabling me to continue in ministry, and I do serve a lot of people, and I do serve a lot of places like Teen Challenge, because, look, these are people that really need Christ. They need the Spirit, and so a lot of places I'm going even next year around the world, planning to go to seven different nations next year, and so you're, you know, you're sowing into places where we're going to be networking with pastors that run orphanages and women that help women get off the streets. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing the Spirit of God is doing. But this particular time was a teen challenge. And I was speaking, and um, I came back to the pulpit, and this was sitting on the pulpit for me with a note. So let me just read to you a few, a few phrases here, and then we're going to wrap this up to a close. We're going to do this together this week. Okay, so 
sitting there, and I get this baseball mitt. And it says, Carl. There's no name on this. So this is uh, anonymous. Is that how you want to do this? You want to do it anonymously? Or? I think it's good. Okay. God wants you to know, always know, that you are his son, and nothing could ever take that away. He wants you to go to him as a boy and have the joy and faith of a father and a son. He says, when I think of Almighty God, I think of him also relating to you as your Papa, as your Abba. So whenever you look at this mitt, remember that he wants to be a father to you, an Abba to you. And never let go of that little boy inside playing catch with father. And what's really cool about this is it's made by <coughs> Steel is the company that makes it. So I thought it was a cute little symbolic speech in the symbolic speech. It's the grip of steel is the name of the thing. So look, he's got me in his grip, his grip of steel. Yeah. Nothing will ever separate me from the love of God. Isn't that beautiful? So symbolic speech, yeah. symbolic speech, the grip of steel, baby. All right. So, uh, that's good, isn't it? All right. So, I just want to encourage you that symbolic speech can be very, very powerful. You've got to stay alert. You've got to be active. You've got to look at objects, look around you this week, and be in prayer. Lord, are you trying to say something to me, a spiritual truth or reality about that object? And uh, it can be a very powerful, powerful tool. So, let me just pray for you for an activation of this particular way. And uh, I just bless you in prayer here, and then I'll turn it over to Nate, and then we'll come back and we'll do an activation. So, Father God, I just come before you tonight, and I thank you for every one of us that has heard of these unique ways, that inner voice of the Spirit, that still small voice. Uh, Lord, may we be bold this week and dare to ask you yes and no questions, and may you answer us about even some of the more mundane areas of our life or things that we're doing. Lord, on to the greater things and on to learning that you speak through visions and dreams and symbolic speech, Lord, that you're, you're wanting to alert us to the, the wonder of painting us your words, painting a picture. So, Lord, paint a picture for each person here. Paint them a picture in object lessons. Teach them through metaphors, Lord, this week. And let them return next week filled with expectation, filled with testimonies of how you've spoken this week. And Lord, may it all be always balanced in your word as the foundation. And I pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.